Morning, everyone. Um, Pat Yod, I didn't recognise her. Um, reminded me of uh, when I walked from London to Berlin. Um, it, it just it it made me think that when you get older, you there's a thing called false memory syndrome. Do you, some of you know about that. Um, <clears throat> and, and at the moment, my wife, my wife is writing a book about some of our adventures in prayer uh, expeditions. And I, I look at it and I say, did I really do that? <laughs> did, did I really walk up to the Kremlin and knock on the door and say, is Boris Yeltsin in? Which I did. And uh, just uh, the, the context is too complicated, but and I think, did I really do that? Did I really meet old Erdogan, the, the, the president of Turkey, when he was um, the mayor of Istanbul? Um, and he put on a breakfast for us that was so wonderful. Uh, after arresting us all, um, long story, <laughs> just amazing. And I, I think... I look at the map and I see all the... I think, did we really, did we really do that, Yvonne? And he says, yes, John, you did do that. And I remember when I was practicing for one of the walks and I, I got onto a, uh, a treadmill, it, it, this club I joined, and I fell asleep. And I don't know if you've ever fallen asleep on a treadmill... But you go whizzing off. And uh, I, all I can remember is this man in a green uniform talking to me in a voice that is reserved for really old and ill people, <laughs> saying, are you all right, sir? <laughs> and uh, falling asleep on a treadmill. Falling asleep on the treadmill of church life. Falling asleep uh, in the treadmill of life anyway. And uh, you know what we do when we're not coping. We, we numb out uh, in front of our computers and our televisions. And we fantasize about the past and romanticize the future. And we forget that we're living right now in the now and we can miss it and you know when I when I think of the I heard Nigel talking about the kingdom of God uh, earlier um, and, and the kingdom of God is not some theological uh, expression it's not some uh, something we learn at Bible college the kingdom of God is a state of being awake <laughs> and I think that's what Jesus did I think he just woke people up breathed on them touched them and woke them up. And it's that state of wakefulness that I, I, I want for you and me here this morning. That state of, oh, and I, I didn't realize that you were doing a, a thing on uh, encountering Jesus because it, it just made me think, sitting at the back, uh, when I first encountered Jesus, uh, I was in advertising, in working for uh, IPC and um, 
I was a, I think I was a bright young man. I had two accounts, one with Austin Reed and one with Aquascutum, very well dressed. I loved working in the West End. <laughs> in the 60s, who remembers the 60s? <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> Carnaby Street and all of that. It was, it, you, you, unless you were there, you would not understand the transition in our society. It was like watching telly in black and white and then somebody coming along and turning it up so that it is in brilliant colour. And it was like that. After, you know, the, the, the war years and the rationing. How many people... You don't remember any of this stuff, do you? So I'm really helping you. <laughs> um, this sudden uh, spearheaded by a, a different kind of music. You know, youngsters became teenagers, a niche market that you could advertise into, worth two and a half thousand million pounds. And so you could, for the first time, be distinct from other people. And I was in that, loved it, in the forefront of it, really, in advertising. But uh, I couldn't control myself. <laughs> it was all too much for me. <laughs> I just went wild and uh, got myself cornered in adulterous relationships and all of that, having affairs, couldn't control myself. Then, right in the very depths of my failure, when I prayed with some guy and he said to me, you are demonized. And I said, what are you talking about? That's all medieval stuff. You are demonized. He prayed for me. I wept. Heaven opened. I actually, I wasn't, I think I'm having a vision. I actually saw Jesus. He touched me with his Holy Spirit. I saw him. And he said to me, John, everything that's gone over your head is under my feet. <laughs> Everything that's gone over your head is under my feet. And for the first time in my life, I felt clean. I felt free. I had the anointing of the Holy Spirit on me. I hear talks about character versus anointing, and we mustn't let people with anointing get up, you know, go too far because they haven't got the character. Well, if you haven't had the anointing, how would you know anyway? And we need that. We need that. And I have to say, I, I have never looked at a pretty woman ever again. I have never, I never had that rush to my loins ever again as a man and I'm telling you a load of lies <laughs> but I want to tell you oh I watched what's his name that uh, guy on telly this week who went into the prison to get those guys singing do you watch it? Gareth boy get that man a Victoria Cross <laughs> I mean he's just brilliant. I was looking at those lads and looking at the mess of their lives and thinking, oh God, you really could touch them with your anointing and your Holy Spirit. And when I look at it, I think it's a, 
It's the failure of the church, really, isn't it? Because we've been on the back foot. <laughs> we've stepped back. We've become afraid uh, of what we believe and what we think. And I, I just, for a few minutes this morning, my wife said to me, John, please don't ramble when you get there. <laughs> I said, but even I like rambling. And I said, I, I, I will keep talking until I say something. <laughs> and... Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll read the Bible to you. How about that? That'll be, that, should, that should do it. And, and I, I, hadn't, I'm, I said that because I hadn't realized that you were doing Encountering Jesus. And I think, oh my God, he's so wonderful, isn't he? I mean, don't you love him? Flipping I think, Lord, you know, when, when you look at history and you see that, that Jesus makes people give up things that they, they probably don't want to give up, but they do. You know, Augustine, he gives up his women. Um, John Newton, he gives up his slave trade. Francis of Assisi gives up all of his possessions. There's something about Jesus that so haunts us to this day. He's wonderful. This cranky, compassionate, loving God expressing himself through his son Jesus. Don't you love him? Don't you want to follow him? Don't you think, oh my God, in the worst points of my life. And I think, I'm going to, this is the point at which I'm going to die. I put it in the book. I'm going to, they're going to kill me. And this soldier came running out with a gun. And I thought, he's going to kill me. He's going to kill me. Because the PKK and all of that. And he ran up to me with his gun, put it down, kissed me, and put a rose. <laughs> I thought, I'm going to die. <laughs> Lord Jesus, keep your eyes on him. Listen, be the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be sane and sober for your prayers. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint as each has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the grace of God. The, old, the end of all things is at hand. I mean, whose hand? It's not Putin, it's Trump, or any of them. It's God's hand. But keep Canaan sane and sober, because there is a world out there that is going crazy. You know that, don't you? There's a world out there that's going insane. And so it's such a, a brilliant thing to read uh, keep sane and sober. So, so the first thing I want to, to bring to our attention is our minds are important. We, you know, our, our minds are, are renewed by the Holy Spirit, freshed up by the Holy Spirit. And when you think about it, God made the world through words. Satan destroys the world through words, but Jesus reinstates and reinvests again into humanity and uh, recovers us through words, his words. Words are important. I, um, I do, you probably know more about this than I do, but I, I've just been reading uh, a book which um, it's called the, the Kingdom of Speech. How many of you have seen that book? Tom Wolfe. It's, it's, it's his only uh, fiction that, that he ever wrote, or is it non-fiction? Um, he, 
he looks and studies eight anthropologists, scientists, who got together for something like 20 years to work on a project where they could prove how it is that humans speak. And Chomsky, who was the leading, I think he was anthropology, wasn't he, if he's still alive, uh, said that there was a language organ in the brain. And, and they did all kinds of experiments to try and prove it. But in the end, this committee have just given up because they can't work out how it is that humans speak. I mean, we could have told them, couldn't we? We could have told them that the God that we love and worship is a God who speaks. And we get into conversation with this God. They'd do anything to prove to us uh, that we're no better than the plants and the animals. You know, to think of humans speaking and being above animals and plants is, is too much uh, for their thinking. We, we're just chattering animals who wear Reeboks. But we are, this morning. You and I are made in the image of the eternal communicator, the eternal speaker, the eternal God. We speak, we have conversations, we understand one another. It's amazing, isn't it? Language, that we can do just that. If you think about it, Satan messed the whole thing up in Eve's head in a 50-word, two-and-a-half-minute conversation uh, in which he just somehow devalued the very presence of God. I mean, read it. It's the time of the year when we read uh, Genesis. And uh, it's, it's very clear where you read chapter 2, I think it's 15 times God is called Lord God. And uh, when the devil speaks... He says, did God say? Not did the Lord God say. It's very interesting. Watch it. It's subtle. That's what it says. The most subtlest beast in the garden. You drop his name so you can't be intimate with him. But we, in our thinking today, I don't know what it's like for you, but I, I think I'm just getting over this aspect of human life. And now I've got to think about People with a hundred genders. Uh, what am I to think? <laughs> and of course, we really need to think scripturally. We really need to understand that the interpretive principle of the Bible is the Lord Jesus. And he will open the whole thing up for us by the Holy Spirit, freshing our minds. And I want to recommend another book if you haven't... Uh, if you don't remember anything of what I say, go and get this book called uh, The Madness of Crowds by Douglas Murray. It's a brilliant book. Uh, it's, it's a book about feminism, transgender, um, and all those hot topics that we need to think about. We need our, our minds are important. We need to fresh up. We're, we're renewed by the spirit of our mind. God is a thinker. Look, I am not an intellectual. Uh, I am an emotional man. 
uh, I'm probably prophetic and all of that. But I know that despite all my predisposition to feelings and all of that, that our minds are so important and our thinking in these days. Keep sane and sober for your prayers because the, all, the end of all things is at hand. Now, I believe this. I don't think the future is prescripted. I don't know if you've ever been on um, committees. I've forgotten what they're called. Oh, they're called pro forma committees. Do you ever remember a pro forma committee? A, a pro forma committee is you sit on the committee, you make decisions, but there is somebody who's a bit higher than you and they have the power of veto. So you can sit there all day working stuff out, coming to decisions, only to find out the next day <laughs> that it's all changed. Then you think, I'm kidding, I'm not. <laughs> I've actually been on committees like that. People with the power of veto. And so you, if you think, well then there's somebody who's a bit higher than me and they have uh, the power of veto. So what is my little farting prayer going to make any difference in this situation? What, what if my little, will God, and I, because I don't think it is prescriptive, I think we have an amazing part. The end of all things is at hand. Keep sane and sober for your prayers because Jesus is coming. It's amazing, isn't it? In our modern theology, we don't talk about the second coming of our Lord Jesus. But you can see the whole thing. And prayer is something... I don't understand the supernatural realm. I don't understand that God will wake me up in the middle of the night and say, pray for so-and-so. And, and geographically, your prayers work. I don't understand the supernatural realm, but I know that God wants to use us in prayer. He wants to use us in prayer. Because he hasn't figured it all out yet. Of course God's got a plan and we know he's going to out chess and the devil and, and all of that. But what's my role? Keep saying it sober for your prayers. Because the end of all things is at hand. And I be with some people and they're dispensationalists and they've got it all worked out. And I think, oh no, I can't. You know, I... I during that period of foot and mouth disease, do you remember that period? I was up at the EA, part of a prayer thing there, and people were saying, this is the judgment of God on this country. It's because of homosexuality, it's, and all kinds of reasons why God is lifting you. And I said, I don't believe that. I don't believe it. So I went home, I phoned up farmers in Cumbria, and I said, I want to come up and pray around your farm. Is that all right? And they said, yeah, come. So I went up with a team and we prayed. We prayed against foot and mouth. I Listen, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not preaching now. I got phone calls from farmers saying... Where you poured that wine out, where you broke bread, it all stopped there. <laughs> I mean, do you believe it? I mean, come on. Do you believe it? I can remember breaking bread in a place. I walked around Ireland and I said, 
with all those troubles. I'm going to go. I, I met members of Sinn Féin, IRA. I prayed with them. I thought, I'm going to die, but I'm going to do this anyway. Stormed into Stormont at the end, demanded to see somebody. I've been praying for your country and all that. Anyway, it's all in the, in the thing. Broke bread at one point. And the priest who was there, the Roman Catholic priest, rang me two weeks later to say, where you broke bread, the police found the biggest catch of arms that they'd ever got in that area. What do you think? Do you think prayer works? Do you think someone with the power of veto is saying, nah? What do you think? So church, we've got to wake up. We've got to wake up to the potential of prayer. We've got to wake up to the anointing that God has put on us. And that's why I walk. Walked 12,000 miles. And I don't know what I'm doing sometimes, but I'm just saying, I don't know what I'm doing, God. <laughs> but I'm standing here. I don't know if anybody's ever stood here and said, you're wonderful, Lord Jesus, but I want to do it. I mean, and so on. So, so our minds, are you still with me? Are you bored? Yeah, you want to go? Tell me to shut up. Um, so it, it says, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Above all, above everything. Think about it, above everything. Just keep loving one another. I mean, I was thinking coming over here of the cultural identifiers that we've had in history, you know, whether it's the length of your hair or the clothes you wear or the food you don't eat or whether you're a vegan or not, all these cultural identifiers. And the only cultural identifier in the Bible about the people of God <coughs> is that we love one another. You know what? God's not looking for whiz kids and my dears a minute people. He's looking for people who will love him and who will love one another. <laughs> and I, I guess this if, if I've learned anything in 57 or whatever it is, years of, of knowing, uh, of being in the church, I still get amazed at the fact that God loves me. Now, please, if you, if you have that same experience, tell me, do you, are you amazed that God loves you? But it says in 1 John, we love him because he first loved us. And one of the problems with us is we don't know that God loves us. And we build on that foundation and then we wobble when trouble comes. We love him because he first loved us. Anything outside of that is just religious. Right? Anything outside of you not knowing you're doing this because God loves you and you love him. I mean, what a... I mean, God turns our lives into an adventure, doesn't he? <laughs> Don't be religious. Know the love of God in your heart above everything else. I mean, it's, you remember Peter. I mean, Jesus didn't hold an inquisition with him and say, why did you do that? You know, I'm going soon, so you better get used to church planting and you better understand the theology of uh, the second coming and all that. <laughs> he said, do you love me? Do you love me? Because love 
is right at the heart of what we believe. God is love. The essential substance of deity is love. He can't help loving us. All right? So whatever condition you're in, if you're backslidden in your heart this morning, if you're being naughty and you're backsliding, I'm still going to tell you that God loves you. And it's that love that will cause you to repent and to say, Lord, I need to get back. I need to get hitched up with you again. Our problems is not our lust or our temper or our anger or our whatever it is that is your signature sin. Our problem is we're not connected up to the love of God, which he wants for us above all things. So here's, here's Peter saying, your mind, your heart, and as each one has received a gift, we there is a, a, a general call on our lives. And that general call is that we should follow Jesus and be like him. We're, we're, you know, the predestiny that God has put on the people of God is that we should be like Jesus. I mean, it's God's it's a brilliant idea, isn't it? I mean, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not, it's, it's not our performance that turns us on to God. It's our placement in Jesus. He looks at it. And he sees it in us. And there's favor towards us because of that. It's not our performance. It's our placement in the Lord Jesus. So there's a predestiny on us to be like him and to follow him. But there's something even more special and significant. And that is that God has given you particular gifts that nobody else has got. And only you can do it. So, Paul, you picked on me in the prayer meeting. You got your key with you? Oh, I did, didn't I? Yeah. You, got, you got your key with you? You got your key? Your, your key. Hurry up. No, come here. That's, right. So, now that key, does that open Nigel's car? No. Will it open his front door? So this key is what? It's for your car? It's pretty useless, those things. <laughs> so it's your car, yeah. and it's your key, yeah. and it can only do things that you want it to do. Yeah. Okay, so, so, all right, thanks, mate. Um, so, so we've each got a key, but that key is associated with you. Now that means that only you can touch a particular group of people. That means that only you, with your key, can touch people and things and situations that other people can't touch because God's given you a key. I buried my darling sister, my Iris. She brought me up. My mum was an alcoholic. My elder sister brought me up. I deeply loved her. Still do. We should love our dead, by the way. I took her a funeral. And at that funeral, it was just masses of people. <laughs> and amazingly, a whole family turned up from where I was born, on the St. Helier Estate in Carshorton. <laughs> the next door neighbors and other neighbors. And I'm taking the funeral. And I, 
I met them in the pub afterwards. I sat down with them, and they said, um, we understand this. You were such a bugger when you were young. And now you are standing up there preaching. What's all this about then? So what a brilliant moment. What a brilliant moment. I had the key. I had the key to a group of people that nobody else has ever said anything like that to. Now you've got a key and it's the same with you. (laughs) I I was looking at um, uh, Ephesians 4. Am I going on too long? Nigel, I'll stop. Um, uh, It says, So that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities. This is the manifold, varied, polychromatic, prismatic nature of God. You know, a mirror ball, if if you've been in a club where the whoosh, this white light hits the mirror ball, and it sprays out into a hundred different places, doesn't it? All this. And that's the, the prismatic nature of God hits the mirror ball, and the colors spread throughout the church. So you've got a different color as well. You're different from other people. And the great thing about church is diversity. Don't be in churches where one size fits all. And I have been in those kind of churches. I have been in those kind of churches where if you don't tow the party line, mate, you're out. And I'm not talking about ichthus. One size fits all. Here's the great thing. Diversity. It's wonderful, isn't it? Diversity. The, the, the difference in us all. The different colors. The different, the different keys that we've got. Now, you're going to go out of this place. And I, I'm, I sat at the back and I thought, God, this is a brilliant gathering. This is a brilliant gathering. But what's the use of going up there standing up, if people don't look at you and say, I'm going to go and do that, what's the point? What's the point of looking at people who stand up and speak and saying, oh, isn't that lovely, and then going home, without saying, I can do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to attempt that. I'm going to try that. I mean, I know old Dyson's gone, but you know, James Dyson, he, he went into a woodmill, he saw the sawdust, and he saw they collected it, not in a bag, but in a, a, a swirling vortex in a, in a container. And he said, I'm going to make one of those. Do you know, he lived off his wife in Bath. He had 5,000 prototypes, which he scrapped every one until he got it right. <laughs> well, now he's gone as well. <laughs> but, I mean, that kind of amazing that kind of amazing audacity to keep on going. And I'm, I, I think what I'm saying is, look, people, you know, there are the, the end of all things at hand. I don't know where your theology is on the second coming, but as sure as eggs are eggs, God is going to wrap this thing up at some point. And it talks about hastening the day of the Lord in 2 Peter. I've been reading Peter. It's fantastic. Read it. Haste, it doesn't say working towards the day of the Lord as though God has set a day. It's hastening the day of the Lord. We make it come by our lifestyle, by our preaching, by our prayers, by our love for one another. It's like, Jesus, I can see you coming in your glory. Even so, the first prayer of the, the, of the New Testament is, 
Your kingdom come, your will be done. And the last one is even so. Come, Lord Jesus, in Revelation 22. And don't you want him? Don't you want his glory on the earth? Well, the gathering is fine, but the dispersal is more important. This is fine. But it's not Sunday morning, it's Monday morning. <laughs> the gathering's fine, but the dispersal, when we go into our sports clubs, when we go into our pubs, when we go into our offices or wherever we work, the colours, the anointing and the love of the Lord Jesus on us. One more thing, and I'll stop. It says, be hospitable to one another which is an astonishing, you know, in the light of the second coming. Don't bolt your doors. But in the light of the second coming, keep on being hospitable to one another. Keep in the light of the second coming. Think those things. Inscripturate your cranium with the word of God. In the light of the second coming, above all, love one another. In the light of the second coming, discover those gifts that you've got and use them. In our church, I've been a pastor there, Baptist pastor, for 18 years. I've just retired. But I got to a point where I said to them, I can't do this job anymore. I said, the day of the omnicompetent pastor who's a brilliant preacher, he's an administrator, he's a counsellor, he's a funeral director, he does everything. That day of the omnicompetent pastor is over. And this is a Baptist church, mind you, and I'm saying this in one of our meetings. And I said, I don't want deacons anymore. If you want me in this church, I want to choose my own ministry team. And I don't want you choosing it. I want to choose it myself. I thought this thing going to throw me out now. But they didn't. They let me. And you know what happened? More of the Holy Spirit came. More of the Holy Spirit came. We divided our church up into teams, releasing people who normally don't do things, giving them a chance to do it. It's, what, it's very clever, actually. You do yourself out of a job because, because you're, you're releasing, if you like, the potential of the group. Anyway, amen. I will stop right there, but I just want to pray before I go and say this, Lord Jesus Christ, you, right at this moment, you are exalted to the highest position. You are at the right hand of the majesty on high. You are far above all principality and power. Everything that's gone over our head is under your feet. And there ain't nothing, Lord, in this room that you can't cope with and that you can't overcome. Jesus, we, we want to say you're brilliant, Lord. You're brilliant. You really are wonderful. And you don't mind us saying that because you called yourself wonderful counselor. And so you are. And so I'm asking this day, Father, that despite all the words, Lord, and we live in a, a word-orientated society and we get word-weary, Father, and bored quickly, Father, but I'm asking Holy Spirit, that you would come and breathe on your people afresh. And, Lord, cause them to find out exactly what it is, how best they can glorify you. 
And I ask you, Lord, that it won't be something boring, but something so interesting that it'll take people by surprise. Now, Lord, I know lots of prayers have been prayed in this church, but, Lord, I pray another one, Lord Jesus, that as you come walking towards us on the water, Father, I sense you're calling out, you're saying, I am, and we're saying, no, I'm not, and you're saying, yes, I am. I am. And, Lord, I want to pray that people who are saying in their hearts, I am not, this morning you will put your great I am into them so that they say, I am, and I can, and I will, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So bless us, Lord, and our children, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.